Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, and welcome to episode 62 of the Karen Kenny Show. I'm going to call this sucker your story to your glory. And there's a reason why I'm choosing that as the title. Number one, it's something that I've been saying for like a wicked long time, <laughs> for many years now. I actually even own the URL, the domain names to those. Um, so um, your story to your glory is a phrase that um, I came up with many, many years ago. Um, and it's also one of the processes that I use um, my system that I use when I'm working with my spiritual mentoring clients. And the reason why I want to talk about it today is because if you can hear the sound of my voice, then you are hearing this um, probably depending on when you listen to it. But in the year 2020, if you are listening to this and you hear the sound of my voice <laughs> on this day, when this, when this episode first comes out, uh, May 7th is the date that this episode is dropping in 2020. And this is the 39th anniversary of my mother's death today, which is just completely mind-boggling to me, you guys. Like, I've been trying to wrap my head around the fact that um, she has been gone now. Like, so I was 12 when she was killed. I was 12 when she died. And I just think, okay, 12 to 24, 24 to like 36, 36. I was just like, oh my God, I have lived with her without her almost three times longer now than I lived with her. So this episode is like a little nod. It's like a little, um, a little like love letter, if you will, <laughs> audio love letter uh, to my mom because um, it is because of both her life and her death that this concept and this process and this whole thing of your story to your glory uh, was born. And so I want to talk to you guys a little bit about this and um, this, the impact, the impact of like this particular date is like really kind of a big deal. And I was just saying to um, my sweetie uh, the other day um, about, I was like, sweetie, can you even believe that it's been 39 years and he was like no and i was like and what's even stranger is like um today on facebook my uh my friend emily aborn um she is the creator of um, a facebook group and a, and a collective and stuff called uh, she built this and she posed a very just kind of like conversational starting question in a little kind of like um you know, drop your answer below in the comments type of a thing. So it was like this random question that I just saw today. And it says, um, what was the difference for you, if any, uh, between age 33 and 34? And I was like, oh my God. And so, you know, people were writing a bunch of different stuff one day, like nothing, like, oh, this and this and this. Uh, and I just simply wrote back and I said, oh, that for me 
that was the year that I officially like outlived my mother. Uh, my mother was 33, you guys, 33. She was just a baby. Like I look back now and I just think, and I know that like, you know, 33 year old women are not babies, but now like being, you know, 51 heading towards 52, like I look back and I think, oh my God, you know, she was so young. So it's just, it's just like a little mind boggling to me. And then here's the other thing too. Um, I'm, I'm a 51 year old woman who still just wants her mom. <laughs> there are some days when I just look at my sweetie and I'm like, sweetie, I just want my mom. And he's like, I know, sweetie, he's so kind to me. And he, he understands, um, you know, he lost his best friend. That's a whole story. I'm going to do a whole episode on this one day about how um, I was the first person that I, I personally knew, obviously, to lose somebody to murder. But after that, like some sort of a I don't know if it's an energetic attractor, an energetic vibe. I was like, I was like a murder magnet after that because I ended up attracting all these different people uh, into my life who ended up having, um, being like really affected by the murder of somebody close to them. And so he, his best friend was, was also murdered. So um, we have that in common. And so he, you know, he kind of, to a certain degree, he can like understand, right? Cause I lost my mom and it's not exactly quite the same thing, but I think it's the way that all people who have lost somebody that they deeply, deeply loved, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I was, I was telling somebody today on the phone that, um, you know, my, I don't have a Jeep, but my cousin has a Jeep and my sister has a Jeep. Um, and like Jeep people, I guess, you know, it's that saying it's a Jeep thing. And so people who have Jeeps, like they kind of nod to each other. And I've also seen it on uh, people on motorcycles, you know, they kind of drop their hand down and give like the low peace sign or wave or whatever the thing is. And it's like, oh, motorcycle people get it. I think people who have a beloved who is dead, a loved one who is dead, we kind of are in a similar club, right? Like we, we get it. <laughs> All right. So back to your story, to your glory. So um, the, the way that that kind of phrase came to me is, well, number one, as a writer, I, I, as a writer, a lover of words, a lover of books, a lover of reading, a lover of like great storytelling, like Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many times I stayed packed in the driveway for like 90 minutes because it was like Radio Lab was on or, um, you know, This American Life was on or The Moth Radio Hour is on. It's like, dude, if you can tell a good story, like I'm there, I'm in, sign me up. <laughs> It's why I love great storytellers on stage or uh, on a podcast or whatever. I just love when somebody can tell a good story. But here's the thing. I always say, um, telling stories is a total fucking blast, right? But you better be telling the story and the story better not be telling you. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all have situations in life, whether they were circumstances or conditions or things that happened, right? I always say like the traumas and the dramas of our life um, that happen to us often when we're young. Not to say that traumas don't also happen to us when we're older, because we all know that, that, that that's true. But so often the stories, when I say your story to your glory, what I'm talking about usually are these stories from our history, from our past, often from our childhood these things that have happened to us, these life situations that happen to us that we somehow like kind of twist and contort into what we believe are life sentences. So this thing that happened for a particular period of time or a certain moment, and then we continue to drag it along right into our future. So we have this thing 
that was simply uh, in a, a situation and we end up writing and assigning all this meaning to it and, and not good meaning, right? Like, so oftentimes it's like that victim story where something, and I, and I can talk about this with a certain level of experience and, and quote unquote expertise because I got really good at being a victim. I was like a professional victim. I, if I had gotten paid, if I'd gotten paid for my level of victimization, I would have been rich, right? At certain points in my life. So I started to think about this when I started, you know, I became a yoga teacher and I started, you know, studying A Course in Miracles and I started studying um, passage meditation and I became a spiritual mentor and like all these different things, you know, so I, I, over, over my course of my lifetime, I have now looked back and I started to ask myself, well, what were the things that I did? Like what, how did I kind of start to train my mind to look at things from a new perspective. How did I, you know, I was always kind of naturally, I think, optimistic, but there was a period of time in my life when I was so fucking negative. Oh my God, you guys, miss attitude. Like you would not want to hang out with me. Like I hated everything, right? Everything and everybody. I was just like, eh. And it's kind of hard to imagine now, those of you who know me, because um, I'm pretty <laughs> annoyingly happy and optimistic, but there was a time in my life where it was just like dark for a little bit, right? And I was still doing all the external things. You may not have known it was quote unquote dark in there unless you really knew me well, but even at that level, I was still like, you know, in high school, like doing all the things and everybody, you know, I don't think you would have known it. Uh, somebody once described me, it was interesting. I, I had a chance to talk to somebody who knew me when I was a kid. Um, I don't know how many years ago it was, like 13 years ago, but I hadn't seen that person in like 20 years. And he described me to me. He said, you were always, he said to me, you were the girl with the big smile on your face with the sad eyes. And I always thought like, oh, that's so fascinating. That's so interesting. So even uh, at that age, a few of you were paying attention. A few people were paying attention. But so here's my whole thing. We have these things that often happen to us and then we assign all this meaning to them and we start to write these stories. We start to write these stories about ourselves, our circumstances, our brothers and sisters, the abusers, the victimizers, the victim, all the things that you know happen. Um, and we start to write them about the world around us, right? So we end up having all these stories. And so then the work that I do with my clients is taking these stories and like transforming them, transforming your old stories and all the, the hard, the wicked hard shit that happened and transforming them into your glory. And what I often say is your story can gradually over time actually become your salvation. And definitely in the case of my mother, um, her, her death, you know, her death was something that I found very traumatizing for many years. And uh, I'm sure somewhere in my tissues and in my body, you know, that shock and trauma, maybe it still exists on a deeply subconscious level. Um, but I think, you know, I've done a lot of work to like address that and to try and forgive her killer and to do all these different things because, um, that was a shitty first draft, right? <laughs> but that's those stories, right? If you're a writer, you know what I mean when I say that. So there's a great writer named, um, Anne Lamott and Anne Lamott, I would say she, she writes nonfiction. She is a personal essayist. She's a memoirist. I would say she is a, um, a spiritual writer, you know, for sure as well. And I love Anne Lamott. And I remember when I used to live and work with Marianne Williamson and Anne 
would call the house and I'd like answer the phone and I'd be like, oh, I'd be like, it's Anne Lamott, who I loved because her book, Bird by Bird, uh, Instructions on Writing in Life, it changed me. It was one of those books that changed me. Uh, I recommend it to all my writers, to all the people, because I'm also a gateless writing teacher, right? Uh, the gateless methodology. I'm a facilitator of that creative uh, expressive method. Uh, I actually just did a, um, a salon with my friend Becky Karish on that, um, and it was so great. So stories are something that I really love. So in her book, Bird by Bird, Anne Lamott talks about it was like instructions to writers and what, what it means to be a writer and to how to kind of instructions on writing in life. And one of the things that she said is when you first start to write, like try not to edit as you go along, just let yourself write freely without the critic, without stopping, without judging. Right. She said, cause you're going to write your first draft. You're going to write a shitty first draft. And that's where the iconic and kind of uh, classic and well-known uh, phrase shitty first drafts come from. And I started to think about this over the Years. And I was like, yeah, you know, those first stories that we write, they're kind of shitty. And so I started to think about this. So in my work as a spiritual mentor, you know, it's really kind of like this thing that can feel so vague. And so one of the ways that I try to help people understand the work that we do together is I say it's actually a process. And it's kind of like this three, but really like four step process. And it's a success path, right? It's a way that we make progress in our work together. And we start in the story. And I try to give them examples. And so one of the funny things that I kind of do is I relate it to writing because a lot of um, people who come to work with me also naturally tend to be people who are either trying to find their voice or use their voice or they're people who have really big stories to tell. And not everybody's going to want to be a writer or go on stage or anything like that. Um, and I don't even specifically say I work with writers, but a lot of people who love words and who want to tell stories on some level are also kind of attracted to me in the work that, that I do, even though my primary work is as a spiritual mentor. And so one of the things that I say to them is, so in the beginning, we're all kind of like walking around when I talk about my clients, right? Everybody's kind of like walking around with these shitty first drafts, right? The shitty first drafts of their lives. This happened to me, then this happened to me, and then this happened to me, and then this happened to me. The victim stories, the trauma, the drama, all that stuff. So whenever you write something, right, there's the writing portion, the writing of the shitty first drafts, where a lot of kind of like um, the stories, the stuff, the fear, the limitations, the lack, the, the suffer, suffering, the separation, all that stuff lives. <laughs> and remember, we're trying to move from the story to the glory, where the love lives, where the spirit lives, right? So we're moving from like the suffering to the salvation. And so one of the things I say is, okay, shitty first draft. What's the first thing we're going to do when you have a shitty first draft? Well, afterwards, you, you kind of start to, it's like, okay, it's the revision process. And I love the word revise because the word revise means to revision, to see again, to see with new eyes, to have a willingness to let go of this old shitty first draft, right? Of how things went wrong and you weren't loved and you didn't feel good enough and you felt disconnected from source and you felt disconnected from yourself and you have anxiety and fill in the blank, all the different things that can go wrong in this human experience, right? And there's a lot of things that can go wrong in this human experience. So we have that shitty first draft. And then we're going to revise it. We're going to give it new vision. We're going to revision it. 
right? And so we start to kind of look at it, but we have to have that willingness. You have to have that willingness to say, all right, I'm willing, I'm willing. I may not know how to yet. I don't know what it's going to look like yet. I don't know how I'm going to do it on my own. And I'm always like, you don't have to do it on your own. You have me and you have your spiritual team, right? <laughs> and so you have, you're in a teacher, right? I'm here to, to guide you and to help you make progress and help to maybe save you some time and some suffering. <laughs> so we have the shitty first draft and then we're going to revise that sucker. We have to have a willingness, though, to let go of the old meaning that we've assigned to things, right? And then we get to edit it. We get to edit the story. And we get to kind of like say, like, and, and so in writing, there's this great line that says, uh, and I don't remember the first writing teacher or writing person who ever said it. And I, I'm sure if I just Googled it, because I know the phrase, but I don't remember uh, who to give um, accreditation to, but I'll try to find it. But it says like, basically, you have to be willing to murder your darlings. You have to be willing to murder your darlings. And I've always loved that line. So these things that we hold precious in our writing, it's the same thing. These old stories that we love to hold on to. And for me, for a really long time, the story that I held on to in relation to my mother and her death, um, you know, was that I did feel victimized. I did feel like a victim. I, I, I was devastated that I lost my mother at such a, an early age. And you know, when you're 12 and something like that happens, you don't have, your, your brain isn't even sophisticated enough yet to assign meaning. All you know is that it sucks and that it hurts and it feels fucking unfair and you're miserable, right? And so you start to kind of like run with that story, right? And if you're not checked by somebody, if at some point you don't get a mentor or a helper or you have faith or you have therapy or a coach or whatever the thing is, it can be really easy to kind of get stuck in that victim loop. You know what I mean? And so we want things that are going to help us to revise that old story and to see anew, to see anew. And so then we kind of go into the, like the editing process and it's like, um, and these are like, these, this is a paraphrase of like the work that, that I kind of do, but why it's important because we're all walking around with some little bit of story. And, you know, the whole reason why I do this podcast is obviously um, I, I want to have connection with you guys. Like I want to share with you guys. I love to be helpful. Uh, it's a way that I show gratitude that I get to, to um, use my voice and, and all this stuff. And it's also a way to kind of spread a little bit of light and love and uh, hope and optimism. You know what I mean? And I always say the purpose of my podcast is either to like either educate, elevate, um, enlighten or entertain at the very least. And so uh, I wanted to share this with you in case that you might find it helpful if you're struggling with some story that you've written too. Um, and then always know that like, you know, that's, that's why I do one-to-one -one mentoring because sometimes we have stories that we're not able to overcome. Sometimes we just feel a very particular way. We feel stuck. We feel confused. We feel lost. We feel like, how is it that I have everything I thought I wanted, but I'm still fucking unhappy, right? So, and so the work that I do is to kind of help people navigate whatever, whatever is coming up. But often so much of our present moment uh, is being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tinted by or defined by old stories that could use a little revising, you know what I mean? So we go into the editing process with your spiritual team and we start to be able to see, um, what we want to hold on to, what we want to keep, what, where the power of the story is, like maybe where the lesson is or the blessing in. And I know for myself, people will sometimes be like a little like, what, how could you say that? Like, how could you say that, um, 
that, that your mother being murdered. And it's not like what I always try to say to them, it's not that she was murdered. It's not the act of violence that ended up being a gift to me. It's, it was, is basically the ripple effect of what that thing was, right? That the exponential effect of that violence and what it did and the questions it made me start to ask and the feelings, the deep feelings of suffering that it gave me and my suffering, you know, you can transform your suffering into your salvation. Like you can use that, you know, it's like taking your, um, misery. And like I said, your misery and you transform it into your ministry or your mission or your message. And it's a way to move from the wound, you know, to the wisdom, from your pain to your peace, from your story to your glory. And that's what this work can do is when we start to kind of, and with, again, there's a whole process to this. We don't have enough time. I mean, I sometimes work with people for three months, six months, a whole year and beyond uh, to kind of navigate this. Because the, the spiritual, the spiritual um, journey, right, it never really ends. You know what I mean? Even if somebody works with me for a certain amount of time, the lessons and the learning are going to continue beyond that. We never stop growing, you know, as, uh, as beings while we're here on the... I mean, I, I imagine some people um, choose never to live, uh, you know, they choose not to live an examined life. But I think it's so important, like to, to live an examined life, you know, man, is it important to kind of look back and take a peek at maybe what the stories are that we've been told about ourselves that we took as gospel truth or stories that we've written about other people in our life where maybe forgiveness is now like, you know, let's go. When people ever, whenever people say to me, you know, uh, hey, 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 I'm not happy, what would you say? to that or people will say, hey, I have a client and they're just never happy. And I often say, well, um, whenever you find yourself not being naturally joyous and naturally peaceful, you want to ask yourself, who am I not forgiving? Right. And so part of that editing process is kind of looking at it and saying, okay, I want to, I want to keep this part. I want to keep the good. I want to take what I learned from that suffering, from that old story. And I'm going to keep that part because that's actually fucking helpful, <laughs> but I'm ditching the rest, right? It's like red line, red line, red line, get rid of it. And then eventually like we publish it, we publish the piece, we publish the new story, right? Which is the glorious part of the thing. And that's when we kind of go out into the world and we start to live instead of of living from that place of story and fear and suffering, we start to live from a place of love where the glory is, where spirit is, where we feel more connected to source, more connected to our spiritual team. And we're moving through the world in what I call the fearless flow, right? And so the process of moving from your story to your glory. And that was the work that I had to do. And I always say like, you know, that suffering my very difficult childhood it gave me a lot of great raw material and you know and i i got to go first <laughs> i got to try out the system for everybody else first and it's always like in looking back you know it's not like at 12 or 18 like i had any kind of i i mean i imagine i had a certain amount of wisdom and a certain amount of depth because it's like some part of you gets just like scooped up, right? It was just like for a little bit, it's like you feel like you're like a snow globe. You know, when you take a snow globe and you just shake the crap out of that thing, that's how it kind of feels in the beginning. Like, whoa, nothing appears, like nothing looks the same. My whole world was like a snow globe that had been shaken. But eventually that stuff will settle, right? The flotsam, all that floaty stuff will and it'll settle to the bottom. You get to catch your breath and you take a look around. So it's in like looking back now, right? It's like in looking back at that 12-year-old and looking back at my mother's murder and looking back 
at that violence and the exponential effect it had on me and my sister and my siblings and my family and my community and you know ultimately the world because my mother was now no longer in the world when i look back at that and i think wow you know that i've come a long way you remember that old virginia slims ad with the cigarettes you've come a long way baby it's like shit man i've come a long way <laughs> from my story to now my glory and uh, it was really interesting because somebody said to me the other day, a friend voxed me. And if you don't, Voxer is like a voice app, right? So she sent me a message and she said, hey, I just wanted to talk to you. She said, because I just wanted to tell you because I thought of you uh, because I'm reading, uh, you know, Glennon, uh, Glennon's, Glennon Doyle's new book, Untamed. And there's a line in there. She goes, and I said to myself, hey, has Glennon been like checking out KK online? And I started laughing and I'm like, why? And she's like, well, she says like two things in this book that you always say. And she goes, and she said something about story and glory. And I started laughing and I said, well, I go, I don't know if she's been checking me out online. I go, but I do know that it's documented that I've been saying it for many, many, many years already. So uh, it's, it's not, you know, whatever. And I often say like, there's that collective kind of consciousness where uh, things kind of get into the consciousness of the world. But um, yeah, so story to your glory is something that I've been saying for a really long time because it's the again, it's the process that I use uh, that I use first and foremost on myself, and then also use um, you know with with my clients and and people who come to work with me. And it's also like you know in the yoga tradition too, you know we're kind of moving through this whole thing as well. Like I said, the body has its own story to tell, and so as we're placing the body in new positions and different positions, and we're breaking up old patterns, and we're we're you know in the whole the whole. Um, you know, depending on where you are, if you're a yoga person, where you are in your yoga journey and what kind of a teacher that you have, and hopefully you have a good teacher, you know, the asanas, the postures are just one tiny piece of the picture. But the ultimate goal and aim of yoga, right, is um, samadhi. It's like, it's like union. It's like knowing the oneness of you with the divine. And whether you call that God or source or love or universe or whatever, it doesn't matter. I mean, yoga means to join. It's perfect oneness, right? Uh, with spirit, with the self, with the small self, cap, like small S self, with the capital S self, the true self, the divine self. And so, you know, that's, that's this work that, that we do. And when we move and transition out of these old stories, out of these old limiting beliefs, out of this old like bullshit stuff. It's like this willingness to kind of let go of our bullshit, to surrender our bullshit and to kind of step into our brilliance, right? It's that journey that we take. And, and trust me, you, you know, there's, even though it's a process, right? Moving like, and there's different steps on that process of the story to your glory process. Um, but I know it's a prove, it's proven, right? It's proven to work. I've worked with so many people over the years who, um, and this isn't like a, like, I feel like I'm doing uh, at some level, it might feel like an infomercial. It's like, oh, that's kind of weird. She's talking about her dead mother and it's like, she's selling something. And it's not that it's just what I'm talking about because I was thinking about my mom so much on this 39th anniversary and how that story that happened to me and happened to us, to my family of losing my mother in that very vicious and brutal and, and awful uh, and violent way, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. And um, it did, it created a lot, a lot of suffering, but that suffering ultimately was such a gift in so many ways. And one of the greatest gifts that it gave me was deep compassion, deep compassion for other people's suffering. 
And now look, I'm human. There are times, right? I'm a spirit. I always say we're spiritual beings having a human experience. But in my very ego human experience, um, of course, there are times when I'm clumsy. Of course, there are times when I might forget. So, you know, it's like, oh, you could, you could be a little more compassionate there, KK, because the ego is full of all its judgments. But part of what this work does when you're doing this work of transitioning from your story to your glory is it helps you to check yourself very fast. You get better at recognizing, oh, I'm being kind of a dick right now. <laughs> I'm not being that compassionate. But one of the great gifts of having my own suffering is being able to recognize it in other people. And having, um, I would say like, you know, that loss ultimately, you know, there's, there's a line that says, um, and I've heard it in so many different ways and I've said it myself. Uh, so who said it first? I have no idea. But this concept of if your hat is going to break, let it break open, let it create more room. And I always think of the Grinch from the Grinch who stole Christmas when it says, and his hat grew three sizes that day, boing, 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 right? And that's how I kind of feel. And I've, I've said it on several other episodes. I really believe that being able to create a safe container, a, a huge well of compassion in an AMA, A-M-M-A, AMA, the great uh, Indian hugging saint is how I always think of her. She, has, she, she always says that wherever a heart beats with compassion, God is there. And that's kind of how I, I think about this. And so my job as a spiritual mentor uh, was I first had to go for, forward first, right? I had to go through the process first. And I didn't even know it was a process. It's not like when you're in the process, when you're in your shit and in your suffering, you're not sitting there being all intellectual, being like, oh, this is a process, <laughs> right? I was too young to be smart enough to know that something good was going to come out of this, that I was going to be able to be steadfast and resolute and then come back and make my report. And I always kind of loved that idea that I could... Um, you know, uh, Henry James says, Henry James, the writer says, it's a nod to paying attention and to being present, being wicked present, right? And he says, try to be the kind of person upon whom nothing is lost. Try to be the kind of person upon whom nothing is lost. And so um, as a writer, um, because what, that's what writers do is we kind of observe the world. We listen, we pay close attention, we question, why does that character do that? Why does man or woman, I always say, do what they do? Why is he doing what he does, right? <laughs> Terrible grammar, but it always makes me laugh. So I try to be the kind of person upon whom nothing is lost, which means I try to listen very deeply. I'm always trying to become a better listener. Sometimes I fully admit I'm not always... Um, the best listener, I'm a, I always say I'm a really good listener, but I think I could be even a better listener. And I always want to uh, be a generous listener. Um, and I think so um, really trying to like pay attention um, in, in the work that I do as a writer, right? Kind of to be able to pay attention what's happening in the world. And then also as a spiritual mentor, like really just trying to pay attention. But that's what I had to do, right? So even now, even now at 51, I'm going back and I'm paying attention to that younger version of myself because I know she still has wisdom to share with me that is helpful for me and my clients. And so when, when you get to like kind of like go first and figure out, it's like now in looking back, I can say, oh my God, these were the things that I did to move from my story to now into my glory where I've made some peace with what was. Because here's the thing, when something awful happens, and if you're listening to this, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody, at least one of you who's listening to this can relate to this, right? It's like when you're kind of like going, when you're kind of like going through a thing, um, 
when you're kind of going through a thing, you're not in the thing like able to map out what happened. It's not until much later, right? It's almost like moving, going from a viewpoint of being on the ground where you can't see shit. Like, let's imagine like I was just running, somebody was chasing me and I was running through a neighborhood. All I know is that I was zigzagging left and right and going up and down and laying down and then hiding and then bolting this way and then, you know, hopping a fence over here and fucking diving under the thing over there. And later, if there was like a tracking device on me and I could kind of look at it from like a helicopter point of view, right? It's like people who have that app when they run in their neighborhood and then they post it online and you can see where they ran. Like, you know, they run in like all different directions. And I always think it's so cool. But when we're in it and it's boots on the ground and you're in your shit and you're in your suffering and you're in your whatever it is, your darkness, your depression, your death, your desperation, whatever it is, like you, you aren't sitting there thinking, oh, one day I'm going to have a system or a process where I can look back at all the tools I gathered and I'm going to be so grateful. I'm going to be so grateful for this, right? <laughs> Usually when you're in it, that's not your experience. So it's really helpful when you do find yourself there trying to navigate something or trying to heal something or trying to overcome something or transform something, it's really helpful to somebody who has kind of like a helicopter view now, somebody who went before you, somebody who can drop some breadcrumbs to like point you out of the, the, the woods out of, so you don't end up in the witch's oven. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it has been um, a really powerful gift that I have gotten. And I often say that my mother gave me, and I'm not saying like she signed up for it. I mean, there are people who have said to me, you know, I think that there was a soul contract. There was a soul contract between your mother and her killer. There was a soul contract between you and your mother. Like, you know, my sister too. I don't want to speak for her though. That's why like, you know, where we decided, okay, these were the things that my soul needed to, to evolve this evolution, this lifetime. And whether you believe karma or whatever, I'm not telling anybody what to believe. I'm just saying a lot of theories have been thrown at me over the years, but here's what I know to be true. A lot of stuff that I used to label as shitty first drafts, I have now revised and edited and have now published by putting out into the world this newer, more loving, hopefully, hopefully, frost my fingers, more kind and loving and compassionate uh, and positive like human being, this better version, this upgraded 2.0 or 5.0. I don't even know what version of me we'd be on at this point. <laughs> I've been around some years. So this is just a way for me to acknowledge my mom and to acknowledge this, um, this big anniversary. I can't even believe you guys that next year is gonna be 40 years. Like, I don't even know what to do with that, like right now. Um, I still just love her so much. And like I said, if you don't know the story, you can go back and listen to like episode one. But, um, and there were a lot of things that happened before that. There was a lot of things that happened before 12 and there were so many things that happened after that. But that was kind of like the headline story, right? That kind of like kicked things off. Uh, in a lot of ways. And I'm not even saying it's the worst thing. Like people are like, oh my God, that's like the worst thing that ever happened to you. And I'm like, a lot of things happened. <laughs> it's the one that I tend to report most about or talk most about because it was so, so uh, impactful for me. Um, you know, it was one of those times when I really like life took me to my knees. Uh, life took me to my knees. And lucky enough, I, I had help. I had internal help along the way. I, I had a certain amount of hardiness a certain amount of, I think, natural, um, natural um, resiliency and strength, but I also had to develop that. And, um, and along the way, I have had many human angels, uh, teachers, um, great material, you know, great systems, faith traditions that like helped me kind of like navigate it. And it's kind of like what, what, what a great teacher does, uh, what a great mentor does 
is we kind of find content. Like I always think of it like this. It's like what we're providing, what I'm providing for people who you're going to hear the dogs barking and I apologize. I think my sweetie just got home. But um, one of the things that, one of the things that like we're providing uh, when, when we get to kind of like navigate this process, actually, I'm going to pause this so you guys don't have to listen to their nonsense. <laughs> so the things that, sorry, <laughs> and we're back. So one of the things is, you know, um, you get basically, um, you know, great content or like lessons learned along the way that, that, that end up becoming like things like this, like the process. And you also get like connection and you get community, spiritual fellowship, like all these things. And, you know, just perspective. I think that's one of the things is, you know, when somebody um, has lived through something similar or has gone, again, I always say like gone first, it doesn't mean you're special. Sometimes that's just an age advantage, right? You're just older than somebody else. You've had more experiences than somebody else, but you're able kind of to, to, to report back and come back and say, hey, this is what I learned. This is what I found helpful. This is what I saw. It's almost like a Sherpa, like when you're trying to climb a mountain, right? I'm not going to go and climb Mount Everest on my own. I'm probably going to hire a team to like help me to navigate and go like, okay, you want to watch this side of the mountain. This is where a lot of people fall and die. This is where people often like freeze to death. This is where you're going to start getting like uh, light, light, like um, winded, right? It's going to be like not enough oxygen. This is when you want to put on your oxygen mask. This is when you want to rest. This is when you need to do this, put on extra layers, right? That's how I kind of see it. Like you need a, sp a spiritual Sherpa like on this journey. <laughs> now remember the external teacher doesn't replace the inner teacher. We all have an inner teacher. But we all, what we all don't realize is that, A, we have an inner teacher. B, we don't know how to make that great connection and to, to, to what practices and things make it helpful for us that we have more access to the wisdom within ourselves. So, um, so anyways, I just wanted to kind of, you know, do a little shout out to my mom of like deep gratitude and deep love because I, I still love her. So, I mean, of course, I mean, I'm not saying anything. It's not like I got to prove anything or even say it, but it's important to me that I do say it out loud is how much love and gratitude that I still have for my mom, even though she has been gone for so long. Um, you know, um, Paramahansa Yogananda has a beautiful quote that I keep on my fridge uh, next to a picture of my mother. It's been there for like 20 years and it says, whom God protects nothing can destroy. And that's how I feel, right? Like the guy that killed her, he murdered her body, but he did not kill her. He did not kill her spirit. He did not kill the love that she was. And death holds nothing on love. Death holds nothing on love. The love goes on. The love continues. The love continues. The love continues. Uh, uh, no, no lack of body uh, stops the energy and the force that is love because that's what we really are as spirit to me is that like we are the love and the light of the world. So her love and her light continues to burn bright. And it lives on in everybody who loved her. It lives on in her children. It lived on, lives on in me. It lives on in my sister uh, and the people who she has touched, the people that she touched in her lifetime, like her legacy like lives on. And she's given us so many gifts and so many opportunities to live. I, I live, I have lived and continue to live a deeply examined life because of that loss because of that old story, but to stay stuck in the suffering, that would not have been a love letter to my mother. To have stayed in my misery and in my shit and in my like poor me and my victimization, um, that, is not, that is not what she would have wanted her legacy to be, that her leaving 
crippled me and took me out of the knees, right? And so, um, and I'm not judging anybody else's story or experience. I just, I'm saying for myself, I wanted to, some part of me was deeply curious and deeply wanted to rise above like a phoenix from the ashes. I wanted to be able to step outside of what the cards, like the, the cards that, the, that life had dealt me, I wanted to play that hand well. Even if I had shitty cards, I'm like, I want to win this hand, right? And so story to the glory. And it is through the glory of my mother and it's through the glory of God and through the glory of my spiritual team. Uh, and again, an abundance of helpers, uh, human helpers, books I've read, courses I've taken, mentors, you know, the whole thing. And so this is one of the ways that I get to um, give back is to help people transform your story to your glory. Uh, and so it's an invitation now, you know, um, one of the things that I'm working on right now, I obviously see like one-to-one -one clients and, you know, the, the, the poet, um, the great poet, Mary Oliver, she said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but, and maybe I'm going to get it right. But she basically says, let, let the soft animal body of your body, let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And one of the things that I love is to, is to help others. And it's through helping others that I also help myself, right? It is through teaching that we learn. It is through helping others to heal that I heal, right? It's like, there's no separation between us. And so we all benefit when, when, when uh, one of us rises up, we all go with it. It's like flotation device, right? And so one of the things that I love to do is to help people look at the traumas and the dramas and the stories of their life and to shine a new light on it, to extract new meaning, to assign um, new, um, to revise it, right? To revision it, to see anew. So that, because that's the thing, it's not just like um, I do this because I want to help one person and I stop there. I want to be able to help as many people because if I help somebody and then they turn around and they help somebody and then that person helps somebody and then that person helps somebody. It's like, remember that shampoo? And I told two friends and she told two friends and so on and so on and so on. And if we start to do this work of healing ourselves, then we can start to do the work of helping other people heal themselves. And then we heal others. We heal ourselves. We heal others. You heal yourself. You heal others. You heal others. You heal yourself. It's all like this big, happy love kind of thing where um, it's very, very, very powerful. And so I've been thinking about some ways because I do do one-to-one -one work, right, in my fearless flow mentoring. And I use this process, your story to glory. But I was thinking like, I want to be able to help more people. And how can I, in business, they call it scaling. How can I scale my business? And it's really about like, because I can't clone myself. I can't be in more than one place at a time, but we can do it through like videos or through content or through books, right? I'm writing a book, my memoir, there's lots of different ways we can do it. So one of the things that my spiritual team has dropped into my hat recently is this idea of maybe doing like a monthly membership. And so kind of uh, in the spirit of my mom, and because it's happening at this time of the year, because May can be a really intense time, right? So for me as a little kid, um, you know, I talk about it kind of like this. Um, so like around May 6th or so was like my, my mother and my stepfather's like wedding anniversary. So there's like that anniversary. And then May 7th is the anniversary of my mother's death. And then May 10th, usually somewhere in there, that weekend, the following week is always like it's Mother's Day. And then May 14th is my mother's birthday and then my sister's birthday. So like the first two weeks of May 
like when I was younger, like when I was younger, younger, um, I would just be like, oh my God, it, May was so hard for me because I, I had a lot of delayed grief, <laughs> a lot of grief. And I laugh about that because I look back now and I'm like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. I can clearly see what was happening. I didn't have, I did not have helicopter or rocket ship point of view back then. Um, I was in it. I was boots on the ground back then. And I can look back and go like, oh my God, like my body used to start to let me know way before my mind was like on board. Right. And I look back and I'm like, May used to be really intense. And then since then, I've created, um, call them rituals or ceremonies or things that I do now uh, on those dates on the anniversary of her death on Mother's Day, right? On, on her birthday. Like, I now do these things that celebrate her life and don't focus just morbidly on her death, <laughs> right? Which that was a nice change. That was a nice change. I was able to rewrite that, rewrite that story, find some glory in that story, right? So that was really good. Um, but I just want to say if any of you are out there and I know some of my clients and some of my listeners do, I know that this month can be a difficult month for you. I know that mother's day can be a really difficult. I know I was going to, I know what I was trying to say. So let me, let me finish this. Let me finish what I was saying and then I'll finish that thought. Um, so my, I've been listening to my spiritual team and one of the questions that they've been putting into my heart is asking me, how can you help more people? And I want to be really clear when I say that. I don't consider myself, when I say, how can I, like KK, how can I help more people? I understand that the help is coming through me, but it's not me. It's not of me. I always say it's like, uh, not, not, not of me, but through me, right? Like the, the divine uses, I think, all of us, right? Spiritual team, we are all here as part of a plan. Uh, I'm just trying to fulfill my role to the best of my ability. But I, do, I don't, ability, I don't, I don't, um, I don't walk around thinking that I'm the cure. You know what I mean? Like I don't walk around thinking like, oh me, not that I don't sign up and do my part. I, I signed up. I answered the call. God calls everybody. I picked up the phone and I said, okay, I want to be helpful. I want to do, you know, have me go where you would have me go. Have me do what you would have me do. Have me say what you would have me say and to whom please use me. I, I picked up like the phone rang and I was like, hello, please have me go where you would have me go. <laughs> so I try to listen deeply. And so one of the things they've been talking to me about is like a monthly membership. So I'm playing with this idea of how I can invite more people um, into this experience of spiritual fellowship and growth and community and connection and helping us to, to move from these old stories like into our glory where we can rewrite and let go of the things that fucking keep us stuck and suffering and sick and feeling separate and feeling like we're bad or sinful and these these all these different ways where we can start to move through the world with more confidence and courage and compassion and connection and creativity right it's just like and there's so many things right and i'm not going to get into all the benefits because this isn't a sales call i'm just saying this isn't like a sales thing but it's just stuff that i've been thinking about and especially on this day, I'm always thinking of ways like what's another way that I can like honor my mom. Um, I always just want to say like, I, I don't, I didn't want her experience, that experience of her death um, to be uh, for nothing, for not, as they say. Uh, and if I can create beautiful things out of that inspiration, right? If I can move out of that story and, and make it somehow glorious, if I can find a way to, um, you know, and it doesn't mean, let me also say this, it doesn't mean we abandon our dead. So often people will say, you know, we got to let go of your story. You got to rewrite your story. It doesn't mean you're rewriting what happened. Meaning what I'm saying is like stuff happened. We acknowledge that. We hold justice and accountability in a high, high light here. It's not like we, we, we just pretend like things didn't happen. 
it's what we extract from it. It's the golden nuggets. It's the lesson or the blessing or the wisdom or the whatever that we can kind of take from that. And then how it informs the rest of our life so that we're not defined by the worst of us. We are, we are, I always say it, it can, um, it can inform, right? I say it can inform, it can influence, it can inspire, but we don't want it to define us as being stuck or broken or weak or a piece of shit or whatever story that you've written, right? Whatever story that you've written. And so being able to kind of look at this in a new light, uh, I find that really healing and really powerful. And so I want to kind of be able to do that. And now I forget what the other thing that I was going to say, <laughs> but that's okay. I always say like, if it was wicked important, like they'll, they'll bring it back to me, like before I hang up the line. Um, so, oh, I, I know what I wanted to say. So Mother's Day can be um, not so soothing for a lot of people. It's not always, and I know that this is going to drop on May 7th, and I think May 10th is Mother's Day this year, and, and May 7th is actually a full moon this year, and so my friend Licia Morelli, um, she does these, these great things. She's also a writer. She's a poet, and she also um, has this great, um, you can get on her mailing list, and she kind of sends you like the, 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 the phases of the moon. She sends you like different little rituals and stuff like that. Uh, it's like kind of cool. And she was talking about the, um, the power of this particular full moon that's coming up around Mother's Day. So maybe some feelings that you've been feeling if Mother's Day is tough for you, like don't be surprised if it all feels like a little bit amplified, right? Um, that this date. So I know for a lot of people, you know, there were, there were a couple of years there where I kind of like lived in between, right? I wasn't a mom and I no longer had a mom. So I didn't really know what to do. I had like, you know, surrogates. I had like, um, you know, women who have kind of stepped into my life, like Miss Kay Lefebvre, Miss, I love you, Kathleen Lefebvre, <laughs> love you, Miss. And, you know, I also lived with my uncle and my auntie Shirley for a little while. And then, you know, uh, Daphne Rose Kingma, Marianne Williamson. I've had some pretty incredible women who kind of have come along uh, over the years kind of tuck me under their wing. Um, but at those younger ages, I remember just being like, I'm not a mom. I don't have a mom. I don't know what, I don't know what the hell to do with this holiday. It was just a day of suffering for me until again, transform that story. And it became a little more glorious and became a little more grateful. And I was able to kind of look at that day as a way to celebrate my mom, even though she wasn't here in her physical body. But I just want to acknowledge that that day can be really difficult for a lot of people because there's a lot of ways. If you haven't read, um, there's a beautiful book that, that, that was a lifesaver. It's like, it was like a, a book called um, Motherless Daughters by Hope Edelman. And that book is incredible. I got it like the first, I got it in hardback the first year that it came out. Uh, and it was a life changer for me. And I recommend it a lot because I always say there's a lot of different ways to be a motherless daughter. Because your mother might, you know, your mother might be dead, your mother might be mentally ill, your mother might be incarcerated, your mother might be um, there. I always say lights on, but nobody's home. She might be here in physical form, but you're not able to access her for whatever reason. And that's a really big wound. Like that's one of those, like those deep wounds, right? And um, so you might um, have a physical, like I said, a physical interpretation or a physical embodiment of a mother, but she's not able to mother. There are a lot of people who have given birth, but they don't have the capacity to actually mother. And that can leave a really big scar too. That can leave a, like kind of a wound too. And so th this is the work that we want to do. So that book is also a great resource if you uh, want to check that one out too.
Um, so you guys, if you're interested, so let me just say it like this. If you're interested in learning more about the, the potential membership, um, uh, I'm just kind of like talking about it. I'm just kind of like, you know, dancing around the edges a little bit because it's still kind of like forming in my mind. But if you feel like you could benefit from um, just some kind of like a spiritual connection, the, some tools, some content, some community, some in this very, very weird time that we find ourselves in. <laughs> If you'd be interested in kind of like a monthly, um, I call it like, it's almost like coming back to the nest, right? And as you guys know, those of you who know me well, you know that the peacock and peacock feathers are kind of like my logo from, from my business. And there's a whole story behind that. But I kind of envision this membership as being like the nest, the safe sanctuary of the nest that you can, you know, it's like that you can um, give your wings a break. And there'll be times to like spread your wings. And there'll be times maybe when, you know, the, like my clients for like for my clients who have left the nest, but they want to have a way to come home. They want to come back to the safety of the nest <laughs> to be with the mommy bird. <laughs> this might be an opportunity for you too. So if it piques your curiosity, it lands in your heart. If you want to know more, just send me an email. You can either send me a direct message on social media. You can send me an email, karen at karenkenny.com. And just say, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I'm interested. Tell me more, KK. Tell me more, KK. Membership, whatever you want to do. Just make it clear that I know what you're talking about. Because so, I can be a little, little knucklehead sometimes. <laughs> so remind me like what I was talking about. Uh, if you'd like to know more about that. And so you guys, I hope that somewhere in your life, whether we ever work together or not, if you're in my sphere of influence, I hope that you are doing the work to transform your stories into your glory, that you are finding your way from a thought system of fear to a thought system of love, that you are moving from your own pain to peace, that you are moving from your wounds to your wisdom, that you're moving from your misery to your ministry right? There's a thousand little alliterations that I could do and I, I could do it all day long because I love it. <laughs> You're suffering to your salvation from your story uh, to your glory. And if you need help, that's the work that I do in the world. And it would be an honor and uh, it would be an honor to walk beside you a little bit on this way that you have chosen, that your soul has chosen in this lifetime. And so if you are the um, praying kind, say a little prayer for my mom, like just a little nod of love. It doesn't have to be a prayer like she needs anything because she's not embodied anymore. My mother is free. But just give a little nod if you're listening on May 7th. If you can hear her, her birthday, my mother was adopted. That's a whole other story for another day. My mother was adopted. Um, but her given name um, by my grandmother who adopted her was uh, Priscilla. And my mother hated that name, <laughs> which is so interesting to me. So I have a few cousins who call her Scylla. And Scylla is actually what I named my, my little stuffed bunny that I've had since I was 15. Um, but everybody in her life called her Patty, P-A-T-T-I. So um, if you're listening to this uh, and you happen to um, have some space in your heart to give a little love shout out to my mom, because she is what made obviously me possible in this lifetime. She birthed me. She got me here. Uh, she is also the, uh, the heartbeat of so much of my work. Uh, she is my why. She is one of the reasons why I do what I do. Because, you know, that old saying that hurt people tend to hurt people. And I often say, well, happy people tend not to hurt people. And people who do the damn work, <laughs> people who do the very hard work, of transforming their story to the glory. Uh, they become the love and the light. They shine the love and the light that they are out into the world. And so she is the, uh, she is the uh, again, as I always say, the, the heartbeat, the rhythm of, um, 
of this glorious task at hand. And uh, I would not be who I am without her, without having loved her, without her living and without her leaving. Uh, I would not be the same person. So if you think of it today, give a little love shout out to my mom, Patty. And I would really, really, really appreciate that. Um, so you guys, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Um, if you dig this podcast, I haven't asked in a long time. I'm trying to get better at asking for help. But one of the ways that this podcast gets to be more impactful is by a couple of different ways. One, by you going and subscribing if you haven't already. And then that way you'll get the episodes like every week. So you can subscribe to The Karen Kenny Show. You can share it with a friend or a family member. You can go online and you can leave a review at Apple uh, Podcasts and you can also um, leave a rating. I mean, you, this, this is a bunch of different ways. You can invite friends to listen. You can share it on social media. Um, if you like this episode, you can share it in a story or a post and just tag me in it so I see it so I can say thank you so much uh, because it wouldn't be possible without you guys. I mean, it would be. I mean, I guess I could just make them and put them out into the world. Uh, but at some point, if I felt like nobody was listening, I don't know, maybe it would be, I'd be like, I don't want to keep doing these. But you guys um, keep showing up. Um, and you keep helping me uh, to, to keep going, right? You, your support means uh, the world to me. And that's something else that um, I wanted to say. Um, I was talking to a friend today, and maybe I'll do a whole podcast episode on this, but one of the things that I want to say during this time, and I know because I tend to be one of those people, is that um, check on, yes, obviously, obviously take care of the people who need your help right? The elderly, the infirm, the people who might not have access to food, whatever, like look out for each other and your neighbors, but also check on your strong friends, check on your strong friends because they could use a little support too, just to know that you were thinking of them, especially this time of year. Like I said, we, we often get caught up in our own stuff like, oh, I got to talk about, you know, deal with my mom on Mother's Day or I'm a mom, my kids, whatever. But there are a lot of people where this time of year can be difficult. And even if they seem really strong on the outside, it's a really good idea to check on your strong friends too. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I love you. I appreciate you so much. I see you. I, I hold you close in my heart. I have so much gratitude for you. Uh, and uh, you are the love and the light of the world. So as you move through the world, let's reflect that. Let's do the work to transform these old stories to our glories. So you can go out into the world and wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. 
Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.